Blog Talk Radio. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Please. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Also, you can find the show now on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, iTunes, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. I just want to thank you guys for supporting the show, listening, sharing with friends, following on social media. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can also email me. I'm at SaturdaysWithJoyKeys at Hotmail.com. Well, today, I mean, this woman, I just was telling her, I don't know when she sleeps. I think that she has somebody, like, typing. Well, we don't type anymore. Sorry, that shows my age. But, you know, on the computer, when she's dreaming and typing out her dreams or something because she has more than a hundred things published under her name. She has novels. She worked on her, some of her novels become movies. She's won the Zora Neherson literary award, the gold pen award, the career achievement award, the first recipient of the trailblazer award. Oh, did I mention she's also in school now to get her doctorate? Yeah, like I said, I don't know when she sleeps. This is Donna Hill. Good morning, Donna. Thank you very much. Good morning, Joy. How are you? (laughs) I am doing well now that I'm speaking with you. A little light in my day. I can't imagine, um, like I said, doing as much as you have. But, But you said earlier... It's really not that hard. Talk to the audience about that. What does that mean? It's not really that difficult. You know, I think um, when you enjoy what you do, it's not hard. If I was an accountant and I don't like numbers, Mm -hmm. it would be a hard job to do. It would be painful. Mm -hmm. It is why I left certain um, jobs that I had, you know, with benefits and all kinds of stuff because it drained me of my creativity. It wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, you know, the last job that I left, I'd been there for like seven years, great city paying job, you know, nine to five, but it was so stressful that I would think, I should just, like, walk out into traffic because it would be better than coming to this job every day. Oh, um, so I think, you know, God. so I totally, I totally enjoy what I do, and so it makes it that much easier. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is just, like, time management. You know, when you were going through 
you know, like all the stuff that I did. That was, I was over here cracking up laughing. Um, you know, it sounds like, oh, my God, like, how do you do all? But I've been doing this for, like, 30 years. That's how the numbers added up like that. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, with anything, you know, the more you do something, hopefully you get better at it. Um, you know, when I probably, like, mid-career or so, um, I was writing, you know, like multiple books per year, you know. Um, it was one year, I don't know, something ridiculous. I did like four or five books in one year. I don't know how I did that, but Ooh, anyway. Wow. wow. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's it's all about um, doing, what you, doing what you like. And as, I've, as my career has progressed um, in terms of writing, I write different kinds of stories now, even though they're relatively in the same genre. So they take a little Mm -hmm. bit longer, you know, to write. The research is different and things like that. You know, we can talk about that with um, confessions. Um, And, you know, so I kind of pair that, you know, with my job. Uh, You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, writers, you know, they make all this money and they sell all these books and that's all they do. The majority of writers have a day job, (laughs) you know, like they have to work somewhere. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, this, this, you know, gold pot at the end of the writing rainbow, um, those big deals that you hear are few and far between, um, the average writer, um, does not just write, you know, they go to work. Um, and it, it, for me, it fuels me, um, when I took, like, I considered myself and said, oh, I'm going to just like retire from work and I'm just going to write, you know, I'm going to be a full-time writer because I heard you could do that. And I stayed home for two years and I probably, I think I wrote like a book and a half in like two years uh, because Mm. I found everything in the world to do except write. So uh it is, 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 and I went back to, so I went back to work and then I became productive again. So, you know, there's different things for different people and a lot of it is time management. You know, during the day I now, teach. You know, I'm in I'm in college, and in the yeah. evenings I I write. Yeah. Well, now before all of this, though, I read somewhere you were writing, you were getting paid to write love letters for your classmates. Oh yeah, Donna, uh, what's that? <laughs> talk to us about that. Oh that oh wow that's a long time ago. So when I yes. was in gra- when I was in grammar school. Um, I used to write love letters for my girlfriends to give to their boyfriends. And so I was a budding writer, and I would sort of string together song titles. And I would make these letters, you know, because everybody, you know, when you're 12, 13 years old, you always have a bleeding heart about something or some boy didn't did you wrong. So mm-hmm. I would write these letters. And, you know, they pay me, you know, 50 cents. They pay me a dollar. You know, they buy my lunch or whatever. So I was, you know, moving into this whole paid writer realm. Um, but it was not until, like, you know, decades later that I even considered that writing was something that I could, you know, do because I didn't grow up during a time when there were writers that looked like me. Um, mm. You know, black commercial fiction was not a thing. Um, you had a lot of, you know, non you, know, you had nonfiction writers, you know, somebody wrote their memoir or, you know, the, you know, narrative of, of Frederick Douglass or whatever. And you right. had Toni Morrison and you had, you know, Alice Walker, basically, um, you know, and maybe Paulie Marshall and things like that. But, 
you didn't have the the dearth of commercial fiction that you have now. So, um, you know, and the writers that I vaguely knew about, because, you know, they don't teach us black anything in school, at least when Mm -hmm. I was coming up, they were all dead, you know. So writing was never a field that I believed I could be part of or that I could ever do. Um, and, And it was a long, long time before, you know, I found my way. Yeah. Now you just when you were when I asked you about the love letters you were getting paid. Now that's mm-hmm. a side that people don't really talk about the business side of writing. What oh, have yeah. you learned, and what could you tell young writers to kind of look out for in terms of the business side of writing? A lot of times we talk about the creative, but what about this business side of getting paid and contracts and so distribution, all oh, these types yeah. of things? Um. It, it, it's it's not as, first of all, it's not as lucrative as it appears. That's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing about writing, if you're writing for a publishing house, because um, I've never actually independently published my own stuff. I've always worked with a publishing, a publishing company. So okay. publishing companies pay you two times per year. So you are not getting paid every two weeks or, you know, like, like you got a job. You get paid mm-hmm. twice per year from a publisher. So if you are with one publishing company and you have one book, you'll get an advance. It could be anywhere from, you know, a couple of thousand dollars to, you know, five figures, whatever it may be. But that's mm-hmm. an advance. And when you get a royalty statement, the royalty statement is for the prior six months that this statement was generated. So if your mm. book didn't make any money in six months, when your royalty statement comes, you're not going to make any money. And if they gave you an advance, you're not going to get any money at all in a royalty statement until you have earned back the money that they gave you. Mm, so if course, you got yeah. uh, an advance for $2,000, for example, just to keep it even, until you earn $2,000 on that book, you won't see any monies in your royalties. Um, And so, um, you know, learning that early on, um, I looked at multiple streams of publishing and found ways around my contracts to be able to write for more than one house at a time. And mm, so, okay. um, so I may be writing for, um, you know, um, Kensington, and then I may be writing for, um, you know, uh, uh, Harlequin. Okay. I may be writing for um, St. Martin's. But each of those places will require different things. They also pay out their royalties in different months. So, so it kind of when you overlaps or could yeah. keep you going, yeah, a little bit longer, yeah. Right. So long as the long as you're making money. So like one company will pay out in um, the end of January. The next one will pay out in August. Another one will pay out in November. Um, mm. So you look to that, and then a lot of it is your backlist. Because your front list, the, per- the book that you just published, more than likely it's not going to earn out 
you know, the first go round anyway. So you're going to be, you need to be supported by your backlist, all of the books that you've published before this one, um, in order to, you know, get any, get any kind of money. And the thing with, you know, mass market, for the most part, it's on the shelves for a couple of months and it's gone because it's replaced. Um, Cause, so yeah, that's something comes to out. consider. How are you, you know, how are you going to market the book after it's lost its shelf space? Um, now, so Donna, you wrote things to consider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was going to say you wrote under another name, uh, uh, Olivia Hill, uh, Murder in the Isles. Uh-huh. Why would some? Why would a writer decide to write under another name? What is it? What is the benefit? Uh, what was the purpose of that? Um, well, the, the purpose. I was going to write under my own name. Um, the publisher at the time, um, who's no longer in business, but um, the publishing company said, well, you know, you, you're known traditionally as a romance writer. And mm. this is not a romance. It's a murder mystery. And we want to promote you as that. Um, and yes. so I created this sort of other persona so as not to confuse the readers. Um, okay. You know, I don't know how beneficial it ultimately all is. But, like, for example, like Nora Roberts, she writes as J.D. Robb when she writes her whole other series of books. So you know mm. that when you get a Nora Roberts book, it's going to be a certain type of book and certain type of readers are going to read it. When you get a mm-hmm. J.D. Robb book, you know that certain things are going to happen. So that was the, the logic behind it. Um, and, okay. you know, I didn't actually, you know, pursue the line it was supposed to have been another book to go with it, but that's a whole other story. Um, but that was <laughs> basically for, that was basically the reason for it. Mm-hmm. Now, this new book, Confessions in B Flat, tell the audience a little bit about what's going on in that story. Um, okay, so Confessions in B Flat is a civil rights love story. Um, uh, you know, that's the one liner for it. Um, it is a multimedia um, novel, and by that I mean that um, w- woven within the text of the novel um, are images of the times. Um, there are articles. There's video. Um, so all of this other um, material is sort of embedded in the story. But it's set during the height of the civil rights era. Um, during yes. the, ninth, the early 1960, 63 to about 68, um, my two main characters um, are followers of the two major leaders at that time, which was Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Um, mm-hmm. And as a result of the ideology that they followed, they clash. But because, you know, there's this other attraction between them, they have to really kind of decide what's more important and can we put our ideologies aside. Um, The story um, features, I mean, like many of the leaders of that time, um, John Lewis in particular, um, who was the inspiration uh, for my main character, Jason, um, taking on um, his new role and responsibility, which brought him to Harlem and brought him into mm-hmm. the life of my character, Anita. Um, so it, now, it follows your prom- their life. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. No, I Go was ahead. just going to say, so you're from, you know, from New York, um, mm-hmm. and you, in the store, like you said, there's a lot of historical information. Now, do you, did you go to the South? Did you have family in the South? Or did you just do research about things that were happening in the South um, to put them in your, inside your story? Um, well, I did research. Um, I, I have been to Atlanta like a billion times. Um, mm-hmm. okay. And I, I, I researched, um, I researched the, the particular restaurant and certain areas where where um, Jason and his family live is a fictional, fictitious area. Like, I don't know if it exists mm. or not, it might. Um, yeah. But the restaurant where the meetings were held, Pascal's, um, is a real place. Um, and yep. Martin Luther King and all of his, you know, his, his followers and, and committee members would really go there. Um, so that I found um, in discovering, um, you know, different historical places in Atlanta. Um, I did that actually as part of my graduate work when I was doing my, my thesis for my master's. So, um, so I had that information available. Um, yep. What I wanted to do was sort of, um, you know, add an extra layer and bring life to it. So the people during that time actually, you know, talked to Jason. Um, and uh, Anita, who is the the um, you know the the female protagonist, the mm-hmm. is is a follower of Malcolm, um, and she's up in New York, and she has a whole different perspective about how things are supposed to go. Um, so it was it was really great doing it. Um, you know, like so much of it, I remember, you know, growing up. Um, the mm-hmm. house that Anita and Jason's um, uh, family um, actually live in was the house that I grew up in. Um, wow. So I actually put my house and my memories in the story. 663 Putin Avenue is where I, where I grew up. Um, the church around the corner uh, where Martin Luther King came and visited is really there. Mm-hmm. Cornerstone Baptist the Church Cornerstone Baptist, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like yeah, that the woman um, was like kind of the aggressive um, character, and and that the man was a more thoughtful. Because a lot of times, you know, the woman is, can't be like she's the meek, mild. You know, I mean, I'm being totally stereotypical. You know, but um, right. because you know he comes from the south, and he was just like whoa, you know, blown away. Like not not necessarily the politics, but more just like this woman. <laughs> You know, and her energy yeah. and, and, and her strength, you know, I think that's what really attracted him to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think in hers, is, I mean, of course, you, you talk about how he's attractive and things like that. But um, I think just his thoughtfulness and, and, and his willing to kind of like get past that on her, you know. Um, yeah. Th- there's some really funny moments in there because, you know, he's just not used to her style of, you know, communicating, and then she's just not, she's used to, like, men being more aggressive and, like, taking advantage of the situation type of thing. Um, the sex scenes, I almost felt a little, like, I hope nobody walks in while <laughs> You know, it made me a little blush there, Donna. Um, <laughs> I said, well, I need to find me a Jason. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I have to satisfy my romance readers, so you know. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so now you know if if you are a romance writer, I mean, you've written mysteries, like you said, um, you, you have all different. But, but if you weren't a writer, period, what would you be? If if you couldn't be a writer anymore, what what what's an, what's an op, another upper uh, another job thing that you would do? Um, what I'm doing, which is teaching. Um, okay. I, you know, I think I think my was my writing led me to teach because the more mm. I learned about um, being a writer and writing and you know starting to do workshops and wanting to share what I knew and understand understood about writing and the process and nurturing writers. Um, I knew that I wanted to do this on a larger scale. Um, and in order for me to do that, I was going to have to go back to school and get my master's degree because I knew I wanted to teach in college. I, I can't do the little kids. Um, yeah. So I, so I went back for my master's. And, you know, so I've been in, in a college environment, you know, teaching, um, you know, literature, composition, um, you know, fiction writing, professional writing, things like that since um, 2012. So, um, I, you know, that's what, I would, that's what I would be. I would be teaching something. Um, I know that, you know, from my life experiences, I don't want to be in somebody's office again. Um, so, so that's out. Um, and it's funny because when I was um, younger, much, much younger, when I was, <laughs> when I was a kid, um, yeah, I envisioned my my job, and my job was I was a magazine editor, and I still mm-hmm. see the image to this day. I'm standing in an office, and there's this big plate glass window behind me, but I'm the editor of this magazine. I don't know what magazine it was, and it was after having read an article about um, Helen Gurley Brown, the, the publisher of Cosmo, and I was like, wow, you know. This is what I want to do someday. And that was the first and only thing that I ever imagined myself doing. So even back then, before I understood it, I knew that it was writing. Um, yes, and it just took me, you know, took me a while to get there. But, you know, like I didn't see myself as being a nurse or, you know, a clerk or whatever. It just never occurred to me. Now, this degree, you're getting your doctorate, is Doctor of Arts in English Pedagogy and Technology. Tell the audience mm-hmm. what does that entail? I mean, English pedagogy I can understand, but the connection with the technology, what what is what does that entail? What does what does that look like at the end? Um, well, it's it's sort of like um, marrying um, composition, essays, um, research with a form of media. So, um, for example, um, I I did a project on um, the rhetoric of natural hair. Um, That was a paper that I did. And so part of what you have to do is you need to learn to build that out. Like what other mediums can you use to get this piece of paper across? So you may Mm -hmm. create a, a, you know, a, a Spotify or you might okay. create a, a website, or you may create, um, you know, uh, infographic or whatever. So you're looking at um, multiple streams of um, spreading information. And so you're always thinking about 
um, how this can morph into something else um, for distribution and thinking about your audience. So if it's, you know, a paper about whatever, what, who's your audience and what's the best way to attract them? You know, if it's young people, if it's Instagram, how do I turn this into an Instagram element um, that can get my message across to this particular population? Um, so that's wow, it sounds so it exciting. Sort of marrying the, the two things together. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of like a, a form of, you know, not to get into the weeds of everything, but it's like a form of digital humanities. It's like marrying the mm-hmm. humanities with this digital kind of world, um, but not now, quite as intense as digital humanities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when you first started writing, were you using a typewriter? And at what point did you move to the computer or were you pen and paper? Like where, where were you on that line of the use of technology and writing? Like when, when did you start? <laughs> wow. Um, okay. So I wrote my very first short story like back in like 87 and it was on a electric typewriter with carbon mm-hmm. paper and Ooh, white out paper. the whole white thing. Out. Oh, my, Lord. Yes, white out. The the one that come in the jar and then you have to make sure that you had the little um the little white out strip on the typewriter yes. so that when you backspace you could correct the words. Oh my god. <laughs> I wrote my I wrote my <laughs> first novel, Rooms of the Heart, on a typewriter. Um, mm. It was not, in, and I used a typewriter probably until maybe, so my first novel came out in 1990, um, probably about 94 or so. Somehow mm. the, I had interviewed for a job at Essence, and um, I met Harriet Cole. She was the editor at that. She was one of the, like, lifestyle, she was a lifestyle editor. And, okay. um she, you know, we connected and she was mm-hmm. like, girl, you have kids, you know, coming in at an entry level job like this is not going to pay you enough. So she said, yeah. if you really wanted you to come. And then something else came about and I, and I got a different job, but we stayed in touch. So she wanted to do this whole life makeover and she selected me because she knew I had kids and, you know, I was doing this, that, and the third. And mm-hmm. they, Essence came in and redid my entire life. They they brought in, you know, fashion consultants. They bought us clothes. They took us shopping. They redid my living room. They had a um, a food specialist come in and prepare this meal, and they took all these pictures. They sent us to um, um, the the, uh, 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 psychologist for the kids so they could talk and blah, blah, blah. They did a whole mess and bought me my very first computer. That's how I got my first computer. Okay. Now, do you are you um do you also do like recording notes on like your phone and stuff like that? If ideas come to you, do you, like you carry around your phone and and an idea comes and you like talk like you know let me record this so I can keep it for later, or you just keep everything in your head. Oh, I think she got lost. We got cut off. Um, hopefully she'll call right back. Oh, there she is. There she is. Okay. <laughs> Donna, you there? Okay. I don't yeah. know what happened. I was like, what happened? Um, I was just asking, like, I when know, you're yeah. walking around. And I, okay. 
Yeah, I was just I'm sitting in the same spot. I don't know what happened. Just said boop, and you were gone. I am so sorry <laughs> for that. But um, so um, that's technology for you, right? Technology. Um, there you go. So <laughs> yeah. So you know, so I you went through like all of that, and as a result of me getting um, the computer, then um, Black Enterprise wanted to interview me about how, can you know, because it was early computers. So, you know, it was like mm-hmm. a big, bulky thing. Bulky. And, mm. um, you know, they wanted to interview me. They came and, you know, they did an interview and they were walking up and down my street, you know, about computers and how, you know, computers are helping people do X, Y, and Z. And then okay. that led to, like, an article in USA Today. It was crazy. Um, so all of this stuff happened all at one time and all of it, came from going on a job interview <laughs> that turned into this big thing. Um, so I started sometimes I, like that. Yes. And I still, I still know Harriet, you know, um, and um, Dr. Gard- Gardier, who shows up on television sometimes, is the guy that, you know, was a sociologist that, that talked with me and my kids back then. So I still see him on Get TV. Out. You know? So, yes. Yes, this yes, yes. Story. So that's the same one. It's it's crazy. Um, now, um, so yeah, I started out on left. the typewriter. Started mm-hmm. on the typewriter, and then you got the the computer from the magazine. My first then, computer. Then Black Enterprise, and then the article in USA Today. This this is just an amazing story. We only have a few minutes left. What are you doing next? Because I know you're doing something next. I know this is confession. But what is in the works um, coming up? Okay, so my next book coming up is um, I Am Aya, um, A-Y-A-H, um, okay. The Way Home. And it is a... Um, a story about a woman who has to come to a reckoning about the her ancestry and mm-hmm. um, the secondary narrating voice is the young girl who, in my version, helped um, uh, help the insurgents on the Amistad. Um, so everybody okay. knows about Cinque, you know, everybody knows about him yeah. and they know that he was able to get some sort of piece of metal or wood or whatever to get loose his chains. But in my version, the person who helped him get loose his chains was this young girl who had also been captive and she found okay. a nail and helped him get loose. And so that girl is my contemporary character's great 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 grandmother. Um mm. and she comes she comes back home to Sag Harbor, um, which is where the Amistad ultimately docked just off of Sag Harbor. Um and she discovers she begins discovering who she really is and what her family is all about. So that's what I'm working now, on. Now is right there now. romance in this? Is, is there romance in this, or is it yes. just more like a? It has a yes. it has a romance in it as well. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, it's, it's almost like a it's almost like a boy next door kind of story. Um, because he literally is across the street from the house that she comes back home to. Um, oh my god! Okay, I can't wait for this one. Connection. 
Yeah. So when that'll is this be coming out? out? Next year. Oh, next it'll year. Okay. Next year. All right. Yeah. So you're gonna have to yeah. come back it'll next year. year. Um and, and, and talk about that. But real quick, I know I know we're coming to real quick, in the story Confessions and B flat, there's a lot of talk about food, um and and the the connection that the two characters have, like when they go to each other's houses and things like that, the food and how that mm-hmm. reminds them of their home. You know, in your life, you uh-huh. know, how has food um connected you with friends or family? Is there like a favorite dish that you cook and you always take to people's houses or or there's something that you eat at holiday time that warms your belly? <laughs> um, you know, the thing, I, what I will say is that what I miss and what I would always um, encourage everyone is to collect those family recipes because my mom's side of the family, every, all of my aunties and my uncles have all passed, and they all had the Caribbean recipes. And... Mm none of us now know what they are. And I still can taste the fish cakes. I can still taste the kalaloo, but nobody knows how to make them. Um, And (laughs) my last aunt, and my mother, she was the youngest of seven. So she was like beyond that. You know, she was like, you know, the the round away girl kind of thing. I'm like, you know, I'm like here. So she never paid it any attention, but her older sisters did. And, you know, mm-hmm. they're all past, and we don't have those recipes. So that's what I would, that's what I would definitely say, you know. Um, collard greens yeah. is a staple in our family. So, like, if you ain't got okay. collard greens when we come to your house, we ain't eating. So there's that. Right. We're going, <laughs> we're going next door. We're going somewhere else. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. We're going to have to do a Postmates, you know, uh, the delivery, Uber Eats or something. <laughs> exactly, right. Get some, some oh, greens and some mac and cheese up in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on this morning. Um, I just, I just really loved the story and the, 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 the opposites and how they attract. And that happens a lot of times in life, you know, opposites attract, yeah. but that inner, that mm-hmm. inner kind of like spiritual type of thing keeps that balance and keeps them in the, in the space of love. You know, I think that's yeah. what yeah. is really important, the space of love. So thank you so much. Yeah. I hope you're going to have a great weekend. Um, and you I'll be too. thinking about you, you and your thank family. You. Okay. Uh, I'll come back on next year to talk about this new book. I certainly will. And thank you so much. And, read, you know, listeners, please go out and get a copy of Confessions in B-flat. You'll totally enjoy it. I'm going to give away some copies. Okay. So they got to follow me um, on social media. Where, where can they follow you? I know you have your website. Um Tell them, mm-hmm. tell them your website. I'm on, and... I'm on, I'm on Facebook, um, Donna Hill Writer. Um, okay. And I'm on Instagram, Brooklyn Girl 737, and Twitter, at Donna Hill. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Thank well, you. you have a great weekend, okay? You too. Thank you so much. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with author Donna Hill. She has more than 100 published titles to her credit, and we were just speaking about her book, Confessions in B-Flat. I'm going to be giving away some copies of that, so you want to follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter, Saturday mornings with Joy Keys on Facebook, and Saturdays with Joy Keys on Instagram. Any of those, you'll probably have an opportunity to win a copy 
Um, I hope that you enjoyed the show. Also, I just want to let you know, yesterday I, I had an um, actor on, Eamon Joseph from Snowfall. You can listen to that interview. It is archives. Uh, you can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, here at Blog Talk Radio. I uh, hope you enjoy any of the shows that I've had, all the shows. They've all archived. So if you missed one and, and you, you, you couldn't get in in the first you know, five minutes or whatever, you're like, oh, darn, it's here. You can download it. All right, you guys have a great weekend. Again, follow on social media and also check out uh, Donna's website. Um, her uh, website is DonnaOhill.com, and you can see about her books and her different series. Like I said, she has more than 100 books published. You will be reading for days, um, and uh, maybe keep some of them away from younger people. I don't know. There's a little sexy scenes in some of them. <laughs> But anyway, all right, you guys have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you later. I see it all the time. They leave early in the morning and come back very late. The curtains, they're always closed. And there's so many people living in that house. I know. They look scared all the time. It seems like he runs the show. He's always talking for them. Seems friendly enough, though. I'm not even sure if it's the same people I saw last week. This doesn't make any sense. We have to tell someone. We need to report this. Modern-day slavery is happening in our own backyard. Know the signs and join the Blue Campaign in the fight to end human trafficking. Call 1-866-347-2423 or go to www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign for more information.